the unique thing about our city is every act that you want to see, big to small, up and coming, maybe on their way down, but they still uh, they still draw a crowd. They're gonna stop in DC. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 10 of the Trip Hacks DC podcast. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Trip Hacks DC Tours. If you're listening to this podcast on launch day, that means that summer tour season is here. So check out our tours, including the popular Monumental Trivia Tour, part Monuments Tour, part Trivia Game. You can learn more over at triphacksdc.com slash tours. Today, I am joined by Brad Garagues, and we are going to talk all about tips for concerts and live music when you visit Washington, D.C. Brad is an engineer in the Navy and a concert aficionado who has lived in multiple U.S. and international cities. His music of choice is indie pop, and he likes to see up-and-coming artists before they become big-name acts. So, Brad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to have you here because this is, admittedly, a topic that I know very, very little about. And it's one that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in. And so it's really great to have someone who's been able to live here and attend a lot of the concerts and check out the venues that are here. But also, you've lived in so many other cities that you've been able to go to places um, in the other places where you've lived. And so you have a lot of experience and you can compare and contrast. I think it'll be really interesting for folks. Yeah, we uh, were very excited when we first moved to D.C. because the unique thing about our city is Every act that you want to see, big to small, up and coming, maybe on their way down, but they still uh, they still draw a crowd. They're gonna stop in D.C. Uh, I used to live in North Carolina. I drove to D.C. to see a concert. I drove six hours to go to the nine thirty club because Atlanta was eight hours away. D.C. was six hours. I live in L.A. now, and I I feel like it's very comparable. You've got a lot of great big venues like the Capital One Arena. It's very similar in my mind, to uh, the Staples Center. And uh, the Hollywood Bowl is another big, great outdoor venue. But the, anyone who's going to the Hollywood Bowl, they're going to be going to D.C. somewhere. So maybe the Anthem. Um, if they're a smaller act, they're going to be at the 930 Club. So you, you'll, you'll hear I have a couple of favorites. Yeah, we're going to talk about the different venues uh, throughout the episode. I think what's interesting is that a lot of people don't think of Washington, D.C. as being like a big market. Uh, Los Angeles, I certainly do. New York City, Chicago, those are places where I would definitely expect all the bands to come through. But it sounds like you're saying that D.C. is comparable um, and on par with all these big cities. Everyone comes here. When they're on tour, they're going to hit New York. They're going to hit Atlanta. They're going to hit D.C. in between. So I I always felt like when I was in D.C., everyone would... Sometimes I would go to Baltimore. Once I went to Philly, but I was going to catch everyone I needed to in D.C. Well, that's really cool. And so we're going to talk about some of the bands that you've gotten a chance to see here and some of the venues that you've seen them at. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, I think it's worth kind of just explaining why someone who might not be a concert person should even continue listening to this episode, assuming that they've made it this far. Because I know I personally, I I enjoy going to concerts. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, They're not really my top entertainment um, venue. Like, I'd much rather go to a baseball game or a soccer game. And that's just my personal style. But for some folks, you know, music is definitely what they uh, enjoy doing, and it's their entertainment. I, I love music. Right off, right off, I love music. 
But um, sometimes I feel like you lose something in a recording. So I love Spotify and I have my Spotify premium that I listen to, but I love to see the artist doing it live. I feel like that's a unique experience that you you can only get in person. And um, and I judge, I judge artists off of whether or not I felt like they were going there to cash a ticket or if they really were sharing an artistic expression with the crowd. And you only get that live. Um, as far as like why would someone, hey, maybe you're in D.C. and you've been out all day doing these outdoor venues and everything feels like it's closing. Um, there's not every show has to be this event where it took up the whole day. Like if Beyonce's coming to town, Capital One, you're going to be there most of the day getting ready for the show. It's going to be late and you're not, you're not going to miss anything. And it was really expensive. Um, but you might be able to go into several great venues here in D.C., and that are that are much smaller, intimate. Maybe an artist that has a a small following, um, and you can make kind of make an evening out of it. Maybe you don't see the opener. Maybe you only catch the opener, and the price of the ticket was ten dollars, and that's like the cover at a, a club. Yeah, I think I've gotten a chance to review a lot of visitors' itineraries um, when they're coming. They will sometimes ask me, you know, what what I think about what they've planned to do. And and those itineraries almost always start at 10 a.m. and end around 5 or 6 p.m. or right around dinner time because they think about, you know, touring the Capitol, going to the Library of Congress, the National Archives, and they don't really have the evening activities planned out because those aren't the things that you sort of think of as the standard Washington, D.C. sites. So when you're coming to town, you know, you're not only going to be here until 5 o'clock and then go to bed. You're going to want to have some evening activities and maybe you're not into the traditional nightlife um you know the bars and the clubs and that sort of thing and this is sort of a good alternative for someone who might not be into that sort of thing so let's talk a little bit about some of the venues and the concerts that you've seen while you lived in dc and i think that the first one that we have to talk about because it's the best known not just around here but perhaps countrywide or even worldwide is the 930 club and it's just a really great place to see a concert it always wins the awards for best place to go see a show in you know rolling stone magazine or the other concert publications and they've been around for a while so what what shows have you seen there and what do you, what makes it such a great place well 930 club was my first introduction to the dc music scene uh, i'm a big fan of the wombats uh, the wombats are a british band and they were coming to america i was in north carolina and the closest they were going to get to me was DC. So I'd, I'd never heard of the 930 Club at that point. And so I drove six hours on a, I think we came up on a Wednesday night, spent the night. Thursday was the show and I had to be at work on Friday, something crazy like that. And um, so the 930 Club is just, um, there's this like metric for how many ticket sales in America at venues. And I was shocked because you get to the 930 Club and I consider a small to medium-sized venue. It was number three in the country for most concert tickets sold. And the brand new Anthem uh, in Southwest was number one. So when you're talking about venues that have concerts coming through, every act wants to come through the 930 Club because they know they're going to they're gonna pack the house. And that statistic, that is the total number of tickets, not the total number of revenue or money. It's just the number of people who walked into that place and saw a band perform live. And that, that's pretty amazing. 
So I saw a really interesting documentary years ago, and I've been trying to find a copy of it since, unsuccessfully, but it was, you know, at one of these neighborhood um, evening movie nights, and it was about the history of the 930 Club, and it was fascinating. And one of the more interesting things I learned was where that name, 930, comes from. It's the fact that it used to be downtown, and its address was 930 F Street Northwest. And I thought it was because every show started at 930. Well, that's definitely not the case because I've been to shows there that started much earlier and uh, quite a bit later. So it doesn't have to do with the time, although I think that's a perfectly reasonable guess because its current location is over in the uh, U Street area of D.C. So when you want to visit, it's actually very easy to get to on the metro. You take the green or the yellow line to U Street, and then it's only a couple blocks away from there. But uh, there used to be this just tiny, tiny little club downtown in this essentially, um, you know, standard board old office building and if you go to 930 F Street Northwest nowadays you won't even find it you know to be significant in any way it just looks like a regular old uh, office building but it was just beloved by both the people who performed there and the people who uh, went to concerts there so much so that they actually even tried to bring the bar that was at the original club when they moved to their current location uh, which was actually a former radio station Um, they actually tried to bring the bar over to their new location Interesting. I know um, whenever I so I've seen the Wombats there twice now. I saw um, Fred Armisen, the uh, the actor. I was going to say the comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does like a, a he did a singing kind of. He dressed up in all these different acts and he would play music. And um, and who is the other one? I feel like oh, we saw Wild Child there. So we saw Wild Child. Um, I've seen them in a lot of places now. L.A. twice and North Carolina and now 930 Club. But what I love about the 930 Club is the artists genuinely seem happy to be able to have performed there. So uh, the Wombats, first time they were there, they're like, every roadie has a 930. These are guys, they're British. It's like every roadie that they know has a 930 Club t-shirt and they cherish it. Like to be able to have gone to the 930 Club is like getting to go to, I don't know, Maybe Red Rocks or some other famous venue, the Orange Peel in Asheville or something. And it's also unique because they were one of the first venues to use a stage on wheels, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it it actually creates the perfect atmosphere for every show because if it's a bigger act, then they push the stage back and it's a bigger room. If it's a smaller act, they push the stage in and it becomes a smaller room. And so the room is always the perfect size for the performer. It's not a situation where, you know, three quarters of the room is empty because it's a smaller act in a bigger venue. It, It always feels perfect. And I think that is perhaps one of the reasons and why people are so happy to perform there. always feels like they're connected to the crowd. If it's a band you really, really like, uh, you're going to get there early and wait in line because it's general admission. You want to be as close as possible. So a $30 ticket can be a front row or the back row, depending on how early. But if you're there really early, I think they let the first 25 people into like this basement bar that you get in early, so you're not sitting outside on the concrete sidewalk like I've done. And... Uh, you get in and you can like kind of start drinking and get ready for the night. So you get rewarded for your punctuality. Yeah. So the, the, the other place you just mentioned is called Anthem and that's actually a brand new concert venue. It only opened in 2017. It's part of the wharf, which a lot of visitors might recognize. I've talked about it in uh, a few of my videos and a few of the previous podcasts. It's a brand new area of the city. Um, Excellent place to stay if you're considering a hotel in that area. I, I do highly recommend it. It's a great place to stay. And Anthem, it's it's brand new. So tell us about what people can expect when they go. All right. Anthem is awesome. Uh, so I, I saw The Shins, Phoenix, and Beck 
in the anthem. And I was walking in the wharf earlier today and I saw that the Black Keys are going to be in town. Marina from used to be Marina and the Diamonds are going to be in town. I'm flying from L.A. to Denver to go see the Black Keys in September. So to see that, golly, you, you guys are going to have the Black Keys here in town. I love it. Um, so that the it's a very convenient as far as going to a show there is a bar and restaurant on every floor it's like three floors on the inside Um, almost every show is general admission so like I said you pay $40 you can have a front row seat if you have the time and want to get there early otherwise there's great views from all around all three floors and then um, I've never been at able to get one of the seats but there are seated tickets so um, if you uh, if you just don't like standing for a long time they have seats to buy and I think you have to be on a mailing list for the individual artists to be able to get those Um, but the you've got lots of options food easy to get in it's easy to get out lots of exits uh, lots of restaurants in the area Uh, the metro is is that the waterfront Green yeah, line. you can use the waterfront on the Green Line, or you can walk over from Lafont Plaza, which is all but one of the lines. So it's very easy to get to, um, and you know, get there early because there's plenty of stuff to see and do at the wharf as well. I uh, that's a great point about the seats. I think that's something that uh, might keep a lot of people from going to a concert. Is you know, even if they like the music or the performer, they say, "I just don't want to stand. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it." And so the fact that there are seats there that are available and they do go quickly. So if you see somebody who you want to uh, uh, see, make sure to check out the ticket situation as early as you can. But I, I, I met uh, someone recently who said that when the anthem opened, uh, the first concert that they they had there was the Foo Fighters. Now the Foo Fighters have a special place in our hearts because they're a local band and um, they've played uh, Nine Thirty Club, I think, more than any other uh, band. I don't fact check that and then email me all angry if it's not true (laughs) but i I know that they played there a lot and they played the first uh concert at anthem and then um i heard that they went and they flew to london and played wembley stadium so it just goes to show that you know you get uh stadium caliber performer in a very intimate setting and that's something that i don't think you get in a lot of other places yeah i saw that um the jack white did his on Amazon Prime, he did a concert, a recorded concert, and he did it at the Anthem just, I think, six months ago. And that's on uh, Amazon for anybody who has a membership. They can go watch that yeah, uh, and check out what the venue might look like if you want to see it before yeah, it you. pretty awesome. Yeah, I <laughs> certainly would agree. So let's talk about some of the lesser, you know, not not lesser known, but maybe some of the smaller venues where you're not necessarily going to get a ticket well in advance. You might, uh, you know you know look at the schedule and the calendar to see okay i'm coming this weekend and let me see who's going to be performing and maybe i'll go go check them out um so black cat is one that i know you've been to a few shows there this is uh, a venue that is always has always kind of tried really really hard to cater to the indie artists and to not you know book the big name high-flying big ticket selling acts they want to make it an accessible experience so very good music but maybe not the biggest acts yet uh so you can kind of see them when they're up and coming yeah i think uh the black hats are really good like if they're not quite big enough for the 930 club it's not far it's off of the u street corridor as well it's 14th street maybe? it's on 14th street it's not too far uh from the 930 club so they're both in the same general vicinity yeah so um i saw we saw Destroyer. It's the uh, lead, one of the singers from the New Pornographers, and uh, Porches was there. I love Porches. They're they're new, and hopefully he continues to make music. But he was 
he was the Black Cat and uh, a band called Rainbow Kitten Surprise, which was at Black Cat and then a year later played 930 Club. So they they were getting a little bit bigger, I guess. But what's cool about uh, Black Cat, it has two floors. So sometimes um, it's a really small concert, like behind the bar. So they might fit like 50 people. And then uh, the, normally it's downstairs and it's the whole basement of the whole place and probably 300 people, uh, two bars kind of place. Uh, Black Hat's really good. Those are the ones where you're going to get like a 10 to $30 ticket and you're going to be able to see some really neat bands uh, who haven't quite hit the mainstream yet. Yeah, the, the times that I've been to Black Hat have been sort of a situation where somebody says, it's my birthday, I'm going to invite all my friends out, just come and meet up at Black Cat because it's a, it's a big venue, you can have a lot of friends hanging out with you, but then you also have the show, and so you kind of get the best of both worlds if, if that's what you're looking for. So when you're in town, when you're visiting, and you're just looking for something to do one evening, and you're bored of you know uh, the standard um, bar scene, and there's no sporting events that you want to go see, this could be a great opportunity to go go out and check out something new. Yeah, I think it's uh, similar to U Street Music Hall. To me, when I was like kind of thinking back to these different concert venues, uh, if they're very similar. So U Street Music Hall is also a downstairs. We saw Fenix Solaire, like this band that sounds like they're from France. Uh, just electronic music more is their focus. Um, so Black Cat's more, I guess, rock. U Street Music Hall seemed to be more EDM kind of yeah, so just in case anybody missed it, uh, the name of the venue you're talking about is is called U Street Music Hall. Yeah. And uh, they're also nearby, so Black Cat, 930 Club, and U Street Music Hall are all in the same general vicinity. And I would definitely say Black Cat is like a rock club. And so uh, you're going to see guitar, drums, that sort of music. And then U Street Music Hall would be like an EDM venue which stands for electronic and dance music is that electronic right? dance music uh not my scene um but i know <laughs> that there's a lot of folks who who are into that and dc is very very big in the edm world so i know there are some um of these really big performers like david Guetta and um you know similar uh type folks who they play you know, huge, huge venues in Europe. They'll go to Berlin and they'll play in Paris and then they'll fly to, of all places, Washington, D.C. to play a club. Uh, they won't play U Street Music Hall. They'll usually play a club called Echo Stage, which is um, kind of off in its own little world. It's not a part of town that most tourists uh, are going to visit. Um, but you've been to some shows at Echo Stage, right? Yeah, my, uh, my wife went to University of Maryland, and she has a lot of memories of this area of D.C., um, but it's like one of those that you have to drive to. So Echo Stage, um, we saw Empire of the Sun and um, Two Door Cinema Club. So they, this is a venue where the, I would, it seems like they're bigger than 930 Club. Like they're going to fill up the 930 Club. They want to sell more tickets. They go to Echo Stage, and um, they can put on more of a production. It's surprisingly clean and fresh inside that place. I I, can't, I don't know a better way. 930 Club has a, a used feel to it. Anthem is new, for sure. But when you get to Echo Stage, it's like kind of an in-between. Like it's It's been around for a long time, but they do a really good job of taking care of it. Tons of bathrooms, guys and girls on both sides. Um, we've always had trouble getting Ubers like out of there because... We'll walk blocks away trying to get an Uber, and I think we always end up taking a taxi when because we just our Ubers will get stuck in the gridlock around that venue. So it's not an easy one to leave from Uber, but you walk a couple blocks, you're on a main 
a main road and you can catch a taxi pretty well. Yeah, so this part of town is is not the part of town where most tourists typically go. Uh, the street you're talking about is called New York Avenue, and you might know it if you've ever driven into D.C. because if you're coming in from the east, uh, chances are that you came in, uh, got off the, the highway, and then you drove down New York Avenue, which is just kind of this infamous street that has fast food and very cheap motels and just not a, not a pleasant place. Um, not your iconic monuments and memorials and Capitol Dome and all that stuff. Uh, so Echo Stage is kind of out there and it's not near Metro. That's the other key mm. thing. Now they do run like a bus. I don't know if it's a school bus still or if it's upgraded to a charter bus, but they'll run a bus back and forth to one of the metro stations. Um, I've heard it's not the most convenient, and so it is a bit of a transportation challenge. Getting there is fine. Getting back, especially if you're leaving at the same time as every other person in the show, is a little bit challenging. So just keep that in mind when you when you go to see a show up there. So those are those are the, the EDM venues. There's a few other small venues I think worth noting. Um, one is the Lincoln Theater, which is also in that whole U Street uh, corridor area, and this is one that uh, isn't always on my radar because they don't they don't have a ton of shows over there. But they when they do have shows, they're they can be pretty pretty good ones. So what have you seen there? Uh, we saw Feist uh, in town, and I saw the Imogen Heap is about to come in. It's it, I feel like there this might be a venue. F- I don't want to put any band down, but maybe they're not up and coming. They're Maybe if Vanessa Carlton was coming through town again, she might hit the Lincoln Theater. That's what it felt like to me. So it's like this old-fashioned place uh, that comedians will come through. So um, it's, it's, I think, a National Historic Registered. It is. It is a historic place. Uh, it, it might be worth visiting just for the history of the theater itself. It, it has a very uh, long history. It was planned to be torn down at several different times, and they saved it. And they, they don't just do music there. They do concerts. They do, or they do comedy. They do um, other types of performances. So there's, there's a lot of different things that you can see uh, while you're over there. But that's an interesting one if you happen to you know check out their calendar and see something that catches your eye. It's, it's really easy to get to. It's literally within sight of the metro entrance. And so you just stumble out of the U Street metro, and you're basically inside the theater already. So very easy to get to if you happen to catch something that you know it interests you yeah and it's a uh, wood seats inside and i think they definitely sold food i can't remember if there was uh, beer and wine i think there might have been beer and wine as well another place that is kind of uh uh, misnamed is called the Rock and Roll Hotel. I have been to a show there. I think you haven't. Um, it's not a hotel. It is very much a, a concert venue. And that's on H Street Northeast. So that's another venue with a lot of nightlife. And that's a small room. So you're going to see the bands there that really don't have much of a following yet. They're very, very in the up-and-coming stage of up-and-coming. Uh, and then another one that I wanted to mention because I actually did get a, a YouTube comment about this recently was where to see country music in D.C. And I struggled with this one because because um, you know bluegrass is a subgenre of country, and that's huge in DC. But you know your your standard country CMT type music isn't really that big here. Um, but Hill Country Barbecue in uh, you know right downtown, you know just just to the north of the National Archives, they do have concerts, and that's probably your best bet for seeing uh, country music. You haven't been there. It oh, looks I, like I, you've been there for barbecue. You yeah. haven't been there for music. I, I've been to the barbecue. It's the it's the best. And then another place that you wanted to mention is called JoJo. Uh, I haven't been there, so what can you tell us about JoJo? All right, so my wife and I, um, the story about JoJo's is we were in Shanghai, and we felt like we needed to go see some live music, and it was very hard to find. And uh, we, looking on like English, Yelp, somehow we found it, uh, was this like jazz kind of club, tiny little place. And so we saw these jazz performers, 
And uh, a Chinese guy next to us was like, oh, well, you're from America. You're very lucky. You get to see jazz all the time. And we felt so bad. We were like, we, we never go see jazz. So we got, we got back to D.C. and we we're like, let's, let's look this up. And we found JoJo's and it became my new favorite place to take anyone who is new to D.C. So um, it's, uh, the food is cheap. Uh, it's it's a row home that's been turned into a jazz club and restaurant. So it's two floors. You walk in through the basement, and uh, on the first floor, right at the entrance, it, are the performers. I think they start at like eight p.m. They perform every night, and um, or most nights. And the food is cheap. And upstairs is like a restaurant. They have a like TV screen, so you can see what's going on downstairs. You can hear it. But uh, you go through Yelp. You can get your um, reservations through Yelp. And it, it's just the best. And if it's full downstairs, you can start eating upstairs. And when a seat becomes available, they'll move you down. And it's just the, the neatest, unique experience that I found in D.C. as far as live music is concerned. And you don't even pay. Like you, you, tip, the guy, you tip the artist on the way out, but you're not paying a ticket to get in. You're going to a restaurant. Well, it sounds like I should go there with you because it sounds like an awesome place. And like I said, I haven't been. So very, very good tip. And that's also in U Street. I, I just realized we're talking about all these places and it's going to be hard for uh, folks listening to the podcast to visualize where they all are, especially since uh, many of them don't live here. So I'll, I'll make a Google map. I'll put that up in the show notes. Uh, so don't feel like you have to go figure all of this out on your own. We'll have links to all of the venues and uh, Google Maps so that you can find them and see uh, where it is in relation to where you're going to be staying. Uh, I feel like we can't skip uh, mentioning the Kennedy Center. Uh, the Kennedy Center is the big performing arts center, and that's where you can go to see the opera. You can see National Symphony Orchestra. Hamilton has made a run through there recently. And so it's not just uh, music. It's lots of different performing arts. But, of course, orchestra is a very um, you know important part of concert uh, music going and opera as well. And you're really probably not going to see that anywhere else in the city. So I've seen the orchestra. Um, I've seen uh, a telecast of the opera. I haven't actually seen an opera live there. And so have you been there? What uh, have you seen at the Kennedy Center? Uh, we went to see Sheer Madness. So it's like... So that's a comedy, right? That's not a play. Or that's a play. Yeah. So that that's at the Kennedy Center. Um, we went to see, I think... Um, uh, my wife is Chinese, so there was like a Chinese dance troupe that came through, and they did a show at the Kennedy Center. Everyone loves going to the Kennedy Center because it's like a once-in-a-lifetime. So every performer there is at the top of their game, very excited to be there. Um, and then they have the, uh, what is it called? It's like the Centennial? The millennials, millennium, millennium Stage. Yeah, the Millennium Stage is very cool. So I've seen a lot of those while waiting in line for other things or just happen to be in the Kennedy Center because you can just go. The Kennedy Center is great to just go and spend a, a few hours walking around on the patios, but um, it's a daily concert, and I don't even think you need a ticket. A lot of them are either so small that you just walk up to it, or it's um, it's a maybe you wait in line. But they have some neat world around the world. They come to. A, DC and they'll come to the Kennedy Center to perform at the Millennium Stage. Yeah, so Millennium Stage shows are daily, um, six o'clock roughly, I think sometimes six thirty. And the Millennium Stage is kind of just in the hallway. And so it's it's not a big room, it's not a huge stage, it's just a small, you know, little stage at the end of the hallway. And yeah, no tickets needed. You can just walk up and, and check it out. And like you said, the Kennedy Center is open to the public and you can go and, and wander around. You can tour the building. That's something that might be worth doing if you're interested in, in checking it out. And that is one of the best views of the city as well. I don't think people 
when they think of where can I go for a view, they think Washington Monument, Old Post Office, Clock Tower. They don't think Kennedy Center, but that that view is pretty impressive. Uh, so we, we kind of skipped over the, the big, giant venues, and I don't want to spend too much time on these, but it, it's worth saying that, of course, we do have concerts at the Capital One Arena. That's where we have basketball and hockey. There are concerts at FedEx Field, which is where there's football and occasionally soccer, and Nationals Park, which is where there's baseball. And so that's where you're going to see your Beyonce, your Drake. Um, you saw a show at Nationals Park, right? Who did you get to see there? Uh, I, I saw James Taylor. I'm from North Carolina. I, I love James Taylor. I, I'm a, I may have shed a tear. It's uh, a re- really cool experience. Pack the place out. Those you're buying for the seat, so there's no standing or fighting to the front. Uh, I also did the opera in the outfield, which is a blast, I think. Yeah, they only do that once a year. So if you just happen to be here on the right date, you can get a really cool experience. Bring a blanket and you literally sit on the outfield grass of Nationals Park and they will do a live telecast of the opera. A bit cold the night that I happen to go, so they usually do it in the fall and the weather can be a little hit or miss, especially once the sun goes down. But just... You know, there's no other time in my life that I've just walked onto the field, walked onto the grass, and gotten to just hang out. Uh, even when I've done an official tour of Nationals Park, they always keep you on the the warning track, the dirt around the outside, and you know, don't dare go step near that grass. But I guess because it's the end of the season, near the end of the season, they're a little less concerned about the grass than they might be earlier in the year. We did go to a FedEx Stadium to see Coldplay, and that was a neat experience. But fun fact: Coldplay played FedEx packed the place out. Last time they were in D.C., 2001 or so, 2003, they were in the 930 Club as a little-known band. I remember when Coldplay played at FedEx Field, and it was, a, it was a big deal, and everybody was talking about it. People who had tickets were talking about it for weeks and weeks leading up to it. Uh, FedEx Field is in the suburbs. It's in Maryland. And so there are actually a a lot of good venues that are out in the suburbs. Um, We didn't really focus on them too much for this podcast because I I know a lot of visitors, they have a limited amount of time and they don't have uh, necessarily the best transportation to be getting out to all these different places. But there are actually a lot of really great venues in the suburbs that uh, have big acts as well. Um, Wolf Trap, is uh, a big national park and they have uh, a lot of acts play out there in the summer it's a very much a summer venue the national symphony orchestra plays out there um and so it's kind of an experience not just because you can go there to see a show but because it's a national park and if you're into the national parks that's a place where you might want to go even without the the music so what are some of the other uh, venues that you've been to? I know uh, I can't, they, they always change the name of this venue. I believe it's currently called the Meriwether Post Pavilion. Uh, yeah, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah. Um, so that that's a great outdoor venue. Um, what's the other one? Jiffy Lube? Jiffy Lube Live is the other one. All right. So they're both very similar, and they have one in Charlotte. They have one in Raleigh. Um, so there's a portion of the, stadi- the stage or stadium that's covered. Then you've got the lawn seats. So I love lawn seats unless it's raining and so because they're always super cheap but the Meriwether Post Pavilion we went to go see the XX and they've that's closer to where my wife is from and then you've got uh, Jiffy Lube Live which is in Virginia so it's kind of on the other side of DC and I think we saw I took my dad to go see Counting Crows um, and that was fun we sat out in the lawn and he's a pastor I tried to get him to drink didn't work 
unsuccessfully it sounds like yeah uh so those are i guess what i would call an amphitheater is that the right term for what that kind of venue is and so they're they're only summer um and maybe late spring early fall type type venues and you're not going to go there in the middle of winter to see somebody but sitting on the grass is something that you do in the summer and it's just a cool experience to have uh i I when I go to places like that, I also go for the lawn seat just because it's the cheapest and hey, you hear it no matter where you're sitting, so might as well go for uh, go for the lawn. So, are there any other tips that you have for folks who are either coming specifically for a concert or they might just be visiting and maybe they're gonna look at the show notes for this episode and then check out all the calendars to see if something catches their fancy? No, I think uh, I think we got the tips. I. It is tough to get Ubers near concert venues. Right off the bat, that's tough. So if you can ride the Metro home, I mean, I would do it. So U Street, those are those are great because you ride on the green line. Yeah, I think that's true not just for music but for any kind of event where there's going to be a lot of people exiting at the exact same time. I know whenever I go to a baseball game, there's the same dilemma. Everybody leaves at the same time, and you know there's there's a few designated Uber pickup spots and a taxi stand, and everybody's you know frantically trying to figure out which car is there. So it, if you can avoid that, either by just hanging out a little bit longer, that can help, or if there's transportation like you know you're going to one of these U Street places, uh, just getting on the metro afterwards can be a big help as well. Yeah, there is a if you're going to Capilano Arena and. Let's say maybe not the night of the show or the night of a hockey game, but there is a speakeasy called Denson. I love Denson, and it is very hard to find if you don't know where it is, but it is like within a block of Capital One Arena. So if there was any place and you're staying in that area, try and find Denson. So how does one find it? Do they just wander around in circles on the street until they stumble upon it? Is there a sign on the door, or is it one of the places where you just got to know? It's underground. So um, there's a lamppost on the sidewalk, and there's stairs that go down, and down there there's... There's a sign on the door, but not up top, and I was taken there, so it was easy for me. I think for the most part, um, most of these venues, with the exception of maybe the Echo Stage, they all have places to hang out before and after the show. So if the show's over, don't feel like you have to race back to your hotel, um, especially if you're still feeling like the night is young. You know, There's no reason why you have to get out of there immediately with, with everybody else. You can hang out and just enjoy the area, enjoy the neighborhood a little bit longer, and then you know, things will cool down a little bit, make it a little easier to get transportation to wherever you're going. Well, Brad, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing all of your experiences and sharing all of your tips for going to concerts in D.C. And I know we mentioned it before, but I just think that it's really cool that, you know, as a, a Navy guy, you have to move all the time. And, you know, that, that has its disadvantages. But one of the advantages is that you get to check out all these different places in the country and in the world. And uh, you've really kind of talked up our music scene. And I know you've seen a lot of others. So it's really, uh, I think, a testament to how good it is. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip, or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.